Welcome to the podcast. That was super lame. <laughs> that wasn't exciting at all. Hello, oh, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Word on the Hill. We are the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. And I'm Father Peter Mussel. You sure are. And uh, today we have an exciting adventure for you. Today we have a very special episode of the Word on the Hill. It's going to involve... The sleep kangaroos. Girls, the Jesse type. Well, and what was that? Uh, 90210? No, it was uh, the Saved by the Bell episode <laughs> where <laughs> Jesse took the energy pill. Remember the sleep pills or something? No, I don't. Did you not watch Saved no. by the Bell? I mean, I did. I, I caught it on occasion. There was the famous episode, the very special episode, where one of the girls took like these energy pills to get through finals or something. Oh, no. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, dear. Sixty percent of you will know the reference, yes. and you will be laughing or scoffing. Anyway, it's, guess what? You want to hear some good news? Talk to me, yo. We are closer to our goal of getting to one thousand likes on our Facebook page. We are. Yeah, we made it like fifty. P- we got like fifty more likes this week. Good we're, job. So we're, we're well in the nine hundreds, but you guys, you guys, we want to get to a thousand. And oh if we get gosh, to a thousand, what are we going to do? We're not going to get to a thousand if you make that voice again. What are we going to do if we get to a thousand? Um, we have to give them incentive. Okay, this is what we're going to do is we're going to make Lanky Guys t-shirts. No, we're no neither of us have time to do that. Let's do something that we can, like we'll do a video of you throwing a pie in my face or something. Like what what can we actually do? Um okay, with your t-shirts like t-shirts is something we're going to talk about and never actually do. This is what we're going to do is we're going to crowdsource what we should do. So Ooh, if, oh, if you put a oh. like up on Facebook, you oh. can give a suggestion of which we will pull. Wow. Um we will pull uh, we will pull them and we will figure out I'm not going to do one randomly I was like we could just do it randomly it'll be amazing no that's a, <laughs> we're going to pick the one that we like that's a terrible idea Father yeah. Peter well it's okay but you know what was that sound which did you hear a ding ding I didn't hear it no oh that's mine it's you um, dude I so I joined Instagram okay and like Dude, I've got more notifications of like Instagram followers. I've realized that Instagram is a whole universe that I was unaware of it's until It's the big recently. thing. Facebook is dying. Instagram. Well, we should get a thousand likes on Instagram. <laughs> Shoot. I don't know what to do. Ah. How do we? But dude, if we, if we do Instagram, like what are we going to put on Instagram? Dude? I don't know. Pictures of us eating food and you, slurping drinks. I'm, I'm Ramfublio on Instagram. You can follow me. I, put, I just posted, I posted an image of you looking really incredibly bored. Yeah. Oh, and, me? Uh-huh. Oh, that was I'm the picture. Bored. That was the picture that I took of you. Yeah, you did take a picture. And then I took a picture of myself where well, I was poop. looking very excited. Poop on you. Well, anyway. You got, anyway, um uh on that note, um that I It feel, is. No, I'm sorry. It's my fault. Um we're just it's a distracted day. It is the 23rd Sunday or it's going to be whenever you listen to this. Is it going to be the 23rd? It's going to be the 23rd Sunday of ordinary time. Oh no! Is that not good? Did you study the wrong reading? Um, um, you gotta wing it. I love it. It's all uh, right. You can wing this. Hold on, twenty second. That was last September fifth. Where Se- this is only September second. September second is a Wednesday. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Which means that oh, that's Saturday. What am I, dude? <laughs> I studied the right readings. 
Okay, good. Did you? I did. You did. You actually did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I, I was blind, but now I can see. I was deaf, and now I can hear. That's perfect, because that's perfect. <laughs> see? <laughs> we'll, we'll tell I, you why. I studied. You did. You guys, study. sometimes when we get busy, um, Scott or one uh, or I, we won't study. Actually, Scott's always studied. It'll just basically, if I get busy, I don't study, <laughs> and then Scott has to hold, say. and then he has to hold my hand. No, come on. I want to hold your hand. You know, most of these, I... You could wing most of these if you had to. I preached them a you lot. You have enough innate knowledge of the story of salvation going on that you could do this. And you've preached them all because it's only three-year cycles. Yep. Okay. So our first reading for the 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35. Verses Hold on. Saturday, September 5th. For Pete's sake. Oh, oh, oh Isaiah 35, 4 through 7a. <laughs> you just quoted it. I did. Yeah. Five, yeah, four I, through seven A. I'm still having some problems with the computer recently. Computers, man. They're um, they're for everybody. If, does anybody out there have Verbum software? Because we have we love the software, but we have a tiny beef with the music at the beginning. I just found a preference listen that to I can it turn enough, it off. I don't want to. There's there's something that makes me feel stressed out and guilty about not studying enough when it comes on. You know, so you, which is which is a good. It's incentivizing. For I me. want I want the I want the jingle at the beginning. To have the option that it's uh, that it's uh, close encounters of the third kind. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> what if it was just the Jaws theme? Bum, bum. Dude, I don't think I would ever open that. I don't think I'd ever just open two, it. Just two notes. Bum, bum. All right, so Isaiah chapter 35, verses 40, <laughs> 4 through 7a. And then I was, you stole. I was supposed to say it, but you took it from me. Okay. So and then, go ahead. Go, do, go ahead. Do the psalm for okay, me. Okay, then our psalm is Psalm 146. Yep. Uh, uh, verses seven and eight, uh huh, and nine and ten. Yes, that's true. It's seven, eight, nine, ten. Labeled terribly on the, yeah, seven, eight, and nine, nine and ten, and then actually one B is the responsorial itself. Yeah. So take that. Yeah, you know everybody. that. You know that I always try to manage to have you speak what we're gonna do the psalm because I never have the strophes in <laughs> right. So I just have the numbers, but not this, the the. Oh, on your little on my thingamadoodle. Your thingamadoodle. Okay, so then our second reading today is from. Dude, you just did this. You can't take all of them. Oh, did I just do the psalm? Yes. Let me do something. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just se- enthusiastic today. <laughs> you what, what was that voice? You were quoting something. That voice was reminiscent of something. I don't know. Anyway, our, our second reading is from Jason, chapter 2, <laughs> verses 1 through 5. James, and, that is. And when he says Jason, It's he weird. Means... It's, I can't get over it, Jace. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a, it's a thing. It's my little thing. Now you guys know my thing. <laughs> okay. I got, a, I got a thing. Okay, so we got a little bit of a funky thing happening here. What? Okay, we got the gospel is from Mark, chapter yeah. 7, verses Shoot, 31 to 37. Okay. But then our versicle, or, or a gospel, uh, gospel exclamation... Our gospel acclamation is from a special place. It's from Matthew 4 yeah. to 23. Which isn't that uncommon, is it? For it to be from a different uh, book? No, but I'm just saying. I'm just no, saying you're that. just saying, and that's good. You I'm, not say. Say, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, last week, it was from James, actually. The gospel acclamation. Oh, it so was Jason? That. Yeah. So it, it moves around. It, uh, it, it shifts. It's like a shapeshifter. All right, we okay, okay. I I have a I have one of those problems that I tend to get in podcasts like this one. <laughs> do you need medicine or something? No, no, I don't know what order to do it in because I, it's hard to talk about these readings independent from one another, and I almost want to do it in reverse order again. No, can I do something else? Can I can I change the whole setup of what we do here? 
Can I do something totally wacky? Do you know that I had like this feeling in my heart right now that I can't describe? Like, is it? I didn't even like risky. Like, I don't know. I'm today. I'm risk assessing and not risk taking. Well, you ready to take some risks? Yeah, I'm ready. Because today I want to start in Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious, (laughs) dude. Okay, is that crazy? Well, it's not one of our readings, but howdy doody time. Well, let's do it, man. Put on your put on your your waiters and is that weird? I wanna I wanna put some stuff in perspective, and I think going to Matthew first is the way to do it. Okay, perspective on. Okay, are you sure you're cool with that? You seem troubled. Fish on. Okay, so here's the thing. I there's a story in Matthew. I'm serious. There's a, story, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a story in Matthew chapter 11 okay. about John the Baptist, and that's where I want to commence our podcast today. Okay. So John the Baptist, picture the, picture the scene. John the Baptist, we know John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, right? He's seen the Lord. John's gospel gives this amazing insight that John is realizing like he sees Jesus. He's like, it's you. You're, you know, all that. He gets it. If there's anybody in the world who gets it, it's John, it's the, ba- John the Baptist. He's seen this. It's his cousin. He's like, he, oh, man. He's even wearing a funny outfit for he's it. He's wearing a funny outfit. He's eating bugs he's and eating, honey. <laughs> this dude's for real. At least he had honey to drown down the butt, to wash the bugs down. Yeah, man. Chaser. Um, so there he is. Uh, he, he knows everything. And now, but by the time you get to Matthew 11, he is imprisoned. Right, so he's been arrested by um, Herod, by the king, right, for calling him out for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and all this stuff, right, for being a corrupt guy, right, sexual immorality. Burr, now burr. he's in prison, and there's this fascinating scene. It's one of my one of the scenes I'm most fascinated by in the Bible. Okay, so here's and and I think there's different ways you can kind of speculate on what what's going on. John, so we don't know what's going on in his heart, but I, I wonder about this. So here he is, he's sitting in prison. And he sends a message with some of his disciples over to Jesus that basically says, hey, are you the one that we've been waiting for or should we just look for somebody else? Right. Do you remember that scene? Yep, absolutely. And I am a, I'm a, I don't know, what's the word? I'm, I'm a skeptic at heart, a pessimist. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of have a negative streak in me. So there's a, a lot a of- A skeptimist? A skeptimist. But there's a lot of these- I don't know, pious commentaries about this that are saying, well, John obviously knew who the Christ was, but he is asking this kind of rhetorical question so that his disciples can hear that Jesus is really the Christ. So picture the scene. John's sitting there. He's in prison. He's hearing that Jesus is doing all these miracles. It's going around, performing mighty deeds. And he's like, hey, Jesus, remember me? Your cousin, you're healing everybody, setting prisoners free, freeing people from their infirmities. I'm in prison. Hey, buddy, remember your cousin? Yeah, yeah. Do, your you, do, do, do you think he played harmonica while he was in prison? Nobody knows. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he, he's he's really trying to be like, hey. Well, and again, some people say, no, 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 he's fine. He understands. He just wants his disciples to be able to hear this from Jesus' mouth. I, want, I mean, he's a human being. He had flaws. I wonder if he's just a little bit frustrated. I would be frustrated if I'm like, okay, I heralded the king. I was the one who proclaimed him. I was the messenger from Isaiah for Pete's sake. I was the one who announced this. And now he's going and doing all these mighty things. Has he forgotten about me? Yeah, like, I would be frustrated. Get, get me out of prison, dude. Yeah, get me out of prison. You're, you're freeing the, if, all sorts of people. If you're the king and I played the trumpet, <laughs> right. then, then right. hook a brother up. So he says, you know, go and tell, go and say to Jesus, hey, are you the one who's to come or should we wait for another? I, <laughs> that line just kills me because, I mean, yeah. John, know, if anybody knows who Jesus is, it's John. Right. But he's like, hey, 
are you the one or not? <laughs> or should we just look for some other Messiah, cousin of mine? <laughs> I mean, he knows, but you, I don't know. I almost sense this this edge in his voice. That's just me. It's just my reading of it. I don't know. I like I like the reading. But what's Jesus' response? Do you recall? Um, tell him what you see. The blind see, the deaf hear, and the poor have the gospel proclaimed to them. So he quotes the first reading, and that's why I begin there, because Jesus' response oh, is word so for word, tricky. verbatim, Isaiah 35. Or, or verbum? Oh, no, verbatim. <laughs> verbatim. I uh, <laughs> see what it- yeah. So go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news to preach to them. And blessed is he who takes no offense to me. Again, he's quoting Isaiah 35, which, verses 4 through 6. Which I think, from blessed is he who takes no offense at me, I mean, I think he's actually trying to to, to talk to John <laughs> totally. and say like, say like, hey, brother. Hey, cool it, man. Hey, like, cool it, cuz. Are you, because, yeah, like. No, I he's think speaking he totally to his, he's like he's like you're totally offended right now that I'm not rescuing you. I think so. I I don't I love thinking about these dynamics that are going on. You know, we I don't know. There's a danger of trying to read the Bible over piously, which Father Riley, our friend likes to refer to as piacity instead of piosity. Pi these is there's piety, piosity and piacity. Piacity. You want to avoid the form. The yeah, be, because if you have too much acid in your system, then you're well then, done. Well then, played. Yeah, see. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's my question, and this is going to tie into all the rest of the readings. Here's my question to you. Um, this is his response to John. The Hi, Baptist. Father Brady. Oh, hello, Father Brady. Father Brady, hello, just hello. here, here. Say hello to the podcast audience. Hello, all you listeners out there in listener land. <laughs> <laughs> Run like the wino. What? I mean, my my brother was on the cross country team at Matchbuff, and they uh-huh. had a, had a T shirt that said "Run like the wind," but the D really wasn't defined <laughs> very well. So it just it looks like it says "Run like the wino." Oh, that's really funny. And, and so whenever I see somebody's like who's going really fast through the world, I just say "Run like the wino" because it's much funnier than "Run like the wind." That's really funny. Yep. Okay, so Jesus responds with Isaiah thirty five, right? Okay. Yep. You, uh, this is one of those places where the, the Bible's just kind of funny, and you kind of expect the Bible to use Bible language that's really pious and all these, you know, fluffy things. If you are John and you're a little bit frustrated right now with the state of affairs in your life, you're just looking for a yes or no answer from Jesus. Are you the Messiah or, or are, are you, you not? not? And you get this, whoa, the deaf are see- hearing and the blind leaving the, the lame fly like stags through the air, all this stuff, right? You want to just be like, all right, yes or no. But what's Jesus actually saying? Is it a yes or no answer? He's saying, yes, I am. Okay, how do you know that? Because what he's quoting Isaiah, who's saying, okay, um, all of these things, uh, the eyes of the blind, the, 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 those uh, marks of the messianic age are with me. Yeah. And if you're willing to accept it, because, I mean, John the Baptist would have been very well versed. I mean, the the dude the dude wore the clothes. Yeah, so he he, he got it. I so mean, he knows what Jesus is saying. He knows because his is complaint saying. is likely, "Hey, you're healing these deaf people and these blind people and the lame people. So but, what's the deal?" And he says, "Hey, that is the answer. If you're seeing that happen, that's how you know the messianic age is upon you." Which gets back to the typical. A way in which people interpret um, this scene. Does he want to teach? He wants he wants him to teach his disciples. So so what ends up happening is that is that he gives them an opportunity. They may they probably were not familiar with Isaiah the same way that 
maybe John the Baptist was. I don't know. I mean, I'm I just, don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. I think there's another reason he does it. Okay. Th- now that's interesting. I haven't considered that. Okay. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that it's it's an aspect, but not the primary. I think okay. it's a segundo. Well, consider this. Yes, I think that's true. But consider this: Would John have understood the answer? Yes. Okay. Presumably. Right. Yeah. He understands Isaiah. Where is John right now? Prison. Whose prison? Herod's. Yeah, but I mean, whose prison? The world's prison? Well, it's Caesar's prison. I mean, it's controlled by Rome. It's a Roman prison. The prison of his own mind. The prison of his heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a Roman C- prison. Right? Roman They're prison. controlled by Herod. He's the tetrarch of the... Yeah, I mean, yeah. all that's true. But so who's he surrounded by? Roman prisons? Roman... <laughs> not prisons. Uh, prisoners. Roman... Roman... Criminals. Guards. Guards. I mean, there's probably other prisoners as well. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to... Bars. He's surrounded by Roman bars. Bars. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a gin and tonic, please. Ah. Okay. Get it? Yeah. Roman bar. I, uh, <laughs> so he's in a Roman prison surrounded presumably by Roman soldiers. Okay. John would have understood the reference, right? Yeah. Would the Roman soldiers guarding him have understood the reference? Yes. I say that, no, ironically. No, they, of course they wouldn't. Probably they, not. I mean, like, these guys are, they're just, they're into, like, Mars bars and <laughs> and, and, nice and and Zeus's staff. Toga parties. Toga parties. Caesar and, salad. Caesar salad. <laughs> yeah, that's all they care about. <laughs> so why does Jesus, <laughs> uh, so why do you think Jesus uses cryptic, veiled language to give John his answer? Because, I mean, because he's trying to conceal it from wider view. Because Jesus, are, like, this is actually you are going to make me jump forward. But well, we're, I know we're talking about Tyre. He left, left the district of Tyre and went by side into the Sea of Galilee to the, through the d- district of the Decapolis. Yeah, like w- what we're seeing is that he's he's walking around the nation. I mean, he's a like uh, he, Jesus says, "I was not sent to those outside. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." And so yep. it's a it's a veiled way to. to to say we're still in the proclamation mode of primarily to Israel and like and yes. and that and so we're not ready to go out to those things yet. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe. Y- yes, I think that's I think that's totally true. But the the takeaway point for right now yeah. is this. Um Jesus gives a veiled answer because if the guards, if the Roman centurions guard er, guards guarding John the Baptist hear this answer that, oh, yes, Jesus is the true king, Caesar, lord of the world. And yes, this is the true king's herald right here. I mean, what's going to happen to John the Baptist on the spot? Dead. He's going to get killed. Jesus is going to be sought and killed. Here's the thing. There was a, I don't know if we've talked about this. This is one of the, the things I love to talk about. Um, when I was a focus missionary way back, they uh, the movie The Passion of the Christ had just come out. Right. And um, they sent us all this promotional materials, and there was this poster they sent us. And it was this big movie poster. It said Mel Gibson had the backlit, you know, cross, you know, you know the scene. And the tagline at the bottom of the poster was something to the effect of his reason for living was dying. Or his reason to for living was to die. You know what and, I love is that is that like I've we've been together so long that I I can know your know stories story. and well, and our podcast listeners I love it, but it's worthy oh, of. Sure. Have I talked about this a lot? Yeah, yeah. On the podcast, uh huh. Oh. 
But but finish it. But it's it. important because Jesus didn't just come to die. He could have done that when he was an infant when they were trying to kill him. He could have been thrown off the cliff or stoned. He's clearly trying to preserve his life for a time until some things are done. Until it's it's until he establishes the church in its sacramental life and right. uh, makes known the mysteries which have been hidden from all ages, so that right. we can perceive them entirely. What 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 Paul is saying, and so yes. so the healing of the blind and the curing of the deaf. Um, I mean, and when we say deaf, we're not speaking of like deaf jam records, like D E F. We're speaking of those who are struggled to hear. Seriously, just I mean, so if, 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 if you think that you're still totally deaf, then a you have to release yourself from the '90s. <laughs> and, I can't believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> and and B, I don't even know what B is. Okay, now here's the thing. Here's the thing that's very important. Then we'll move on. Um, the I, Isaiah 35. This passage was given. This prophecy was given to a group of people who were about to go into exile. And this passage was about what it would look like when your exile has ended. Mm. And so for its history... If I had a, a Roman Catholic breakfast place, I would I would have one of them. It would be, it'd be bacon in exile. <laughs> bacon in exile? Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have bacon in it. <laughs> no, it would have bacon <laughs> and eggs. Exile. Because exiles. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, so the people of Israel are reading... <laughs> A reading, and this is where the twist is going to come in the story. Okay. The people of Israel are reading this passage and they're saying, oh, this is what it's going to look like when we, the people of Israel, are finally released from our slavery, are finally freed from our exile. And we know that even once the Israelites returned to Jerusalem and to, and to the promised land, they still considered themselves in exile because it was controlled by Rome. They're still not out. They're waiting for their God to come and rescue them. Jesus says, it's happened. It's come. Now is the time. But the release is going to look different than what they expected, which I think is a good segue into the into the psalm. Yes, I, I think that what we're seeing too, um, before we move on, oh. is that is okay, that sorry, sorry. is There's that so many things I want to say. I know, me too, and I want to be funny, and I'm sorry if I'm distracting you guys and annoying you. But the um, <laughs> uh, this, are you apologizing to me or just them? Yes, mm. I'm apologizing to you mm. and them. Mm. That whenever we're seeing, like, this is actually a moment of the redemption of creation. It's, it's, um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Good. This is, this was the point I wanted to bring up. Good. Is, is that, um, is that there is going to be a reordered creation? Yes. Well, here's the thing God's, God's salvation is always incredibly physical. And that's really what the gospel is going to point us to as well. When God heals, it's not merely a spiritual reality. It's a physical reality as well. God didn't just shout down from the clouds and announce that we were saved. He took on human flesh and skin and bones and blood pumping through his veins. He became a physical, material reality among us because for God, his material world matters. Therefore, when people were reading this, you know, in the first centuries, I don't know if they looked at this and they're like, oh, this is a metaphor for something. Or, you know what I mean? Like, they're going to be spiritually healed and the blind will spiritually see it, which is all true. And God, Jesus shows us that in the Gospels, that he's also trying to, you know, make the disciples spiritually see and, and spiritually hear. But it's also very physical. This is what's beautiful about being a Catholic. And that I didn't realize when I was far from the church and I was going to services that just centered around the message and the sermon and the music. When I came back to the church, I realized, oh, it's all about the material. There's bread and water and wine and oils and smoke and kneeling and sitting and standing and holding hands and all, everything else. Right. Because we are material realities. And that's what this first reading is pointing toward. But the thing that's cool about the gospel that kind of ties it all together is I don't know if anyone was totally ready for how physical it was actually going to get yeah. once Jesus shows up. 
Yeah, because you know, I, I, we live in a material world, and I am a material <laughs> girl. Seriously, dude. I, I, what I knew is that how I long were ba- you sitting on that? Yeah, just a I couple, saw, just no, a couple of minutes. You saw, you, you saw it in my eyes. Yeah, I saw it in your eyes. Um, so that brings us to the psalm. Yeah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all my soul. Um, let's see, where is it? Yeah, so the psalm. Um, the God of Jacob keeps faith forever, faith forever, secures justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, sets captives free, gives sight to the blind, raises up those who are bowed down, loves the just, protects the strangers. It's a psalm all about what was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Right. The thing that's kind of interesting is that the book of Isaiah is all worded in future tense. This will happen at some point in the future. The psalm, even though Jesus hasn't come yet by the time the psalm is being composed, it's worded all in the present tense. This is simply what God does. If you want to know who God is, he's the kind of God that sets free the captives, that releases those who are oppressed, that you know opens the eyes, that opens the ears. This just is who he is. And it's it's a yeah, it's it's a really neat psalm because again, what it's doing is Oh, I had a really interesting point, and I don't remember what it was. But, um, yeah, I mean, oh, oh, it was it was a small point. I, I found out that in the Divine Liturgy, so in the Eastern Catholic tradition, this, Wisdom, be attentive. this psalm is prayed right before the Eucharist. And the idea is, before we receive the Lord physically, body, blood, soul, and divinity, we are to meditate on how he, his desire is to release us from our captivity, from our blindness, from our deafness, physically and spiritually. And then as we go forward to the altar to receive him in his body and blood, soul, and divinity, we're to reflect on all those ways that we are still prisoners, that we are still blind, still deaf, you know, still lame, and that he wants to and is setting us free from all those things. It's just a neat insight, and we should more frequently focus on that. But I do like the tense change. In Isaiah, it says future tense. The psalm says, no, no, no. Yeah, he's going to do it in a definitive way, but this simply is who our God is. This is what he does. And you only look to the story of salvation history to see that that's what he's always done. Yeah, that, that I mean, the primacy, the primacy of being. I mean, that's, yeah. you are constantly talking about the identity of being. I mean, yeah. like, Christian, be who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and the Lord is always going to be who the Lord is, and that is yes. the one who, re, who orders, who orders creation and actually puts things into harmony and so and, and into its salvific... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, the world is redeemed. Yeah, which is why when Jesus, when God takes on flesh in Jesus, he's doing in a very physical way what God has always done from the beginning. Right. You know what I mean? He, yep. He's manifest in a new, unique way, but he's the same God that's been acting in human history from the beginning. And Which, it's what we should have expected in a certain level. Yep. We're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's who God is. And which brings us into to Jason. Which brings us into James Jason, which now this is this is cool. So remember what we said about the first reading. Okay. I'll remember it. As Israel understood it, the first reading was all about what would happen when God set Israel free from her captivity. Right. Israel is enslaved. Israel is trapped. Israel is oppressed. Israel needs freedom. What's that going to look like? James really is giving a commentary on what we're going to read in the gospel in just a second. But he says, hey, my and remember, James is a, a, a letter written mainly to the Jewish Christian community and the diaspora, those who have not made it back to Jerusalem from the exile, who are still kind of living in the far-off lands, you know, who haven't totally experienced really the, the fruit of the, the exile being done in a very physical way. They're still living far off. And he says, my brothers and sisters, show no partiality. 
as I adhere to the faith of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, for if a man with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor person in shabby clothes also comes in, you pay attention to the one wearing fine clothes and say, well, sit here, please, while you say to the poor one, stand over there, sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil designs? Now, there's all sorts of ways we can apply that, you know, to rich and poor and racial and all sorts of stuff. But for the purpose and the context of the readings, I think what it's getting at is, hey, Israel, you thought that when God came to save you, it was just about you. And you'd forgotten the story of all of salvation history was the role of Israel was to go out to all the nations and bring everyone out of their sometimes self-imposed slavery. Mm. God wants to set all of humanity free, which is why, like you pointed out, when Jesus goes about fulfilling Isaiah 35, he doesn't do it in Jerusalem. He doesn't do it in Judea. He does it up north, or at least he begins up north in the Decapolis. In the De- Decapolis. T- Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon, right? In the region of the Gentiles, because he wants us to make to be absolutely confident that, no, this is not just about ethnic Israel. It's about all of humanity. Israel's job was always to bring them out of their slavery, out of sin, back into the family of God. Israel failed at that. God takes on the role of Israel himself, embodies Israel, and then goes out to the nations and begins to set them free. So that when you begin, and maybe that's even somewhere embedded in John's question, John the Baptist, saying, hey, you know, what's the deal here? What are you doing? You're setting Israel free? You're setting all these other people free? And well, the answer is yes. Well, this gets us into the gospel. So this gets us into the gospel. So good. Cause, Let's cause, get. Because really, I mean, like, because Jesus is always acting physically, mm-hmm. but that's also Israel's mode. I mean, yeah. you're you're constantly living with Israel, like like the the law, the the notions of uncleanness is always associated with touch and physicality right. and right. it's uh i mean there's on occasion some moral realities but it's like have you touched a dead body are you yeah. are do you uh are, do you have some sort of discharge or release or something that's like that's nasty like it's bodily and or are you blind and yeah. so there's a certain sense in which a lack of physical wholeness prevents you from a, a full integration into the people of Israel. Absolutely. And so what what Jesus, as he's doing this, he's actually just regathering Israel. He's actually drawing people back through physical manifestation to say, yes, you are a part of the holy people of God. And that like that that reality is is something that is going to be manifested not just merely physically but but spiritually saying like I'm going to re- I'm going to allow Israel to be who it really is and then I'm going to actually draw all nations into it. Yes, absolutely. There's oh gosh, this is such a great um such a great passage. It, it, it begins by saying again Jesus left the district. Oh, well, for, there's so many things to point out. First of all, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee Sidon into is... the district of the Decapolis. Okay, so Tyre is is southern of Sidon. Correct. Sidon's a northern thing. I mean, this Correct. is the most non this is the most roundabout way ever. It's a terrible route. There's a there's a quote it's um it's Mary <laughs> Healy. She has a Have you did you read this? Uh-uh. Yeah, she said basically what this is saying. And this is why sometimes people think, "Well, Mark just got it wrong or he's mistaken or it's just his his <laughs> gospels is a disaster." Cuz she she has this great it's like saying he left Washington and went by way of New York to get to Atlanta. That's You're exactly like, no, it. No, what? Why would you do that? And it's not that Mark got the geography wrong. The idea is to indicate is to indicate that Jesus is going everywhere. He is all over the map because he's trying to gather in 
all of the lost. It's on purpose that he's making all of these strange geographic moves because he wants to go all over to bring them all. It, it's showing what a wide scope I mean, I mean, his ministry actually had. Now, we have to also be rational about um, how far... I mean, like, like this is like a 60-mile... This is about yeah. a 60-mile kind of roundabout loop, which yeah. if you've ever done pilgrimage, you can do 20 miles in a day if you're yeah. strong. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like... He, and this is a time when there weren't cars. People knew how to walk. I'm sure there were much more. Yeah, and the, and so and so they so that he was on it. So it's it's not yeah. like trying to walk to New York and then walk into Atlanta. No, no, the I'm just, is just strange. I, I'm just trying to correct it's Mary Healy's ana- distances. It's an analogy, okay? and analogies fall apart just You're like an you. Analogy that falls apart. I did. Did you just say that to me? No. What a mean, mean man. So, you want to hear something cool? I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to like make up for all the times you made fun of me according to my mom. I'm sorry, Marie. <laughs> Notice that I didn't apologize to you. Oh. All right, here's here's something that's interesting. There's there's lots of interesting points here. It it says uh, he went up by way of side, blah blah blah, and the people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment. It's interesting that um, yeah, if you remember the last which is, story, which, which by the way, it's very normal if if you are deaf to have a speech impediment if you can't hear yourself talk. Right. What? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. It, it is. Um. It, do you remember? Uh, I had a note here. Yeah, back in chapter five, he was still up in this region. He's been up in this region for a while. In chapter five, um, the people begged him to leave after he had cast out this demon. They're like, get out of here. We don't want you here because he cast into the pigs. The pigs all jumped off of the cliff. So he's getting a very different reception here than he got in another very similar town. And part of the, so what some scholars wonder is that, um, that demoniac who was liberated by yep. Jesus, I wonder if he started going around and telling people so that when he got to this place, he got to uh, the Decapolis, people have already sort of heard about him. They're like, hey, we heard about what you did to that guy over in the Sea of Galilee. Maybe you can do it for this. You know, I mean, his reputation now is starting to precede him, right. which is just kind of cool. And it says the people brought to them this, this deaf man who also had a speech impediment, like you said. The word for speech impediment, did you see this? Did you look this up? It's a... Uh, uh, Mogilalos, Mogilalos, starting with an M. And it only appears one other place in the entire Bible. Oh, I, I did see this. This it's is very cool. Do you know the only other place it appears? No, no, no. I don't remember. I don't know. I, I saw that it was a it was a near Hapax Legomenon. Almost. It only appears it appears once in the Septuagint, in the in the Greek version of the Old Testament. And the only place it appears is dump ba ba Isaiah 35. So Mark clearly knows what he's doing. This, there's other ways to discuss this. Coming straight out of Titan. Um, I'm sorry. I might look tired, but I'll put a decapolis. But Mark, in telling the story this way, he clearly knows what he's doing. He's tying this directly with Isaiah 35. Look, look what he's doing. This isn't some rando with a speech impediment. This is Jesus fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 35, but he's not doing it to anyone of the house of Israel. Which is also what's going to get Jesus in big time trouble later on. How do we know this isn't Israel? Just no, we because don't. We're know. In the, we don't because know. we're in we the Decapolis? Yeah, no, we don't know. We don't know. We can speculate. Yeah, I mean, we, we know we, that the other guy, de- we know the guy back in chapter five with all the pigs was probably Gentile because they're surrounded by pigs. Remember that? Yeah, but, well, no, I thought that, so the, that I, I thought that they were surrounded by pigs because they were Israelites who went over to pig make, farmers. make, yeah, make money over in the Decapolis with the Greeks. But that were, but it betrayed the, a sense of even themselves, and so he actually destroyed their economy. Okay, I'm juggling a little Maybe. bit. Maybe I, I, yeah. I mean, I, that's a possibility. I feel like it's a stretch. Well, hey, man, I'm not into yoga. 
Um, well, and, and it actually is an interesting point. I Because, I, I, okay, so here, here's why that's important. So, again, there's a tie-in to Isaiah 35. Okay. Um, oh, I, I just love this story. He took him by the hand. He led him away from the crowd, put his finger in his ears. It, it's cool because, again, Mary Healy makes a great point about this, too. There are some people that Jesus heal in the midst of big crowds so that everybody can see it. And there are some people like this guy that he actually leads off by himself because this guy just needs an encounter with Jesus on his own. Right. It needs to be a more personal, more private thing, which is just kind of beautiful yep. that Jesus doesn't have sort of a one size, fits, one size all. fits all thing here. Like some people, he needs to do it in the crowd because they need to see. Some people is like, no, this isn't for everybody. I want to come and have right. you come aside. Right. Just have a moment with me. And I mean, you know, we talked about getting really physical earlier. He took his finger, he put it into the guy's ears, he spit, he probably spit on his finger, touched his tongue. You're like, this is gross, Jesus. What's wrong with you? And he looked up to heaven, he, gro- he groaned. The Hebrew is actually, he, I mean, the Greek is actually, he sighed. Um, <sighs> which he sighed, well, I'll come back to that in a second. He sighed or he groaned and he said to him, Epiphatha, that is, be opened. It's interesting that Mark includes the Aramaic, which is what Jesus would have been speaking. Yeah. He's writing this gospel in Greek. Jesus would have been speaking Aramaic. And the fact that right in here he puts these two notes, number one, the Aramaic term that Jesus would have spoken, and then this note about him groaning or sighing. It's these two little tiny things that remind you that we're dealing with an eyewitness. Somebody actually saw it. So what we believe is that Mark is actually written from the perspective of Peter. So Mark probably wasn't there, but he's writing down Peter's eyewitness account. And there's just something about if you were, if you talk to somebody about their personal experience, like, yeah, I mean, I was I was at this thing and I was with this this guy and I I just re- I remember this moment he just let out this big sigh. I remember that it stuck in my mind. Right. And Mark's like, that's important because this is an eyewitness testimony. And then again, he points out this is what it was in the Aramaic because I want you to feel the way. I'm not just going to translate it into Greek because. I'm transcribing, you know, this this tale. He wants the humanness of this, the physicality. There's a groan, there's a sigh, there's the actual words, the sound that it made coming out of his mouth. It's important, you know, that we yes. get these details because Mark's not just making up a story. He's writing down the account of one of Jesus' best friends who's like, yeah, I remember that. I remember hearing that big sigh. It really struck me, you know? Yeah. You can picture somebody telling that story. Absolutely. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his speech impediment was removed, he spoke plainly, and Jesus, what? Ordered them not to tell anyone. But the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. <laughs> so he tells them, hey, don't tell anybody. And the more that he says, don't tell anybody, the more they have to tell everybody. Why do they have to tell everybody? Well, the reason they have to tell everybody is because they're actually fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Their mm. mouths are opened. They have no choice but to proclaim, right? That's the sign of the coming of the Messiah. The lame are leaving. The tongue of the mute are singing. Streams are bursting forth in the desert. This is what's happening. Why does Jesus want to be quiet? It's weird, especially in the Gospel of Mark. There's all these times where Jesus says, don't tell anyone. And then there's all these other times when he says, tell everybody. Yes. And that kind of, I think, for me, relates back to what we talked about with Matthew as we began the podcast. Jesus, his sole reason for becoming incarnate was not simply to die. He's going to do that, and that's going to be the capstone to bring everything else to salvation. But he came to establish a church to take on 
flesh to redeem all of creation and then to die and kill death in the process and then rise again glorious. But he needs to establish a church. He needs to redeem and forgive and to restore. That's what he's doing. And if word gets out too quickly about who he is, like if you're a Roman centurion guarding John the Baptist and you hear, oh, there's a guy claiming to be king, he has to be put to death immediately. Jesus needs to veil some of this stuff, at least a little bit. And there comes a point that's very explicit in the Gospels where he lets it all hang out. And he's like, no, this is who I am. And he goes to the cross a couple days later, <laughs> which becomes very clear, like, oh, yeah. yeah. He's So usually the way that it works is that when Jesus is in Gentile territories, right. he tends to tell people, hey, tell everybody. Right. Usually when he's in Jewish territories, he says, don't tell anybody. This one, you brought up the question earlier, this one's a little bit more confusing because we know the Decapolis is largely predominantly Gentile. There's probably Jews around, but maybe Jesus knows like, hey, I know the Pharisees are kind of hiding around the corner. Like there's religious leaders come up from Jerusalem that are kind of sneaking around. They want to trick me, as will continue to come up as the Gospels goes on. Why exactly at this moment he tells everyone to be quiet? I'm not sure. Maybe there's also the possibility that Jesus knows they're not going to and he wants to show in this kind of hyperbolic way, how powerful the effects of God's restoration is, that these people can't keep quiet. Even if they're asked to keep quiet, they're, how can I keep from singing? You know, how can they, how can they not proclaim this? I don't know. It, that's an interesting question to kind of meditate on. But we do know that there are times that Jesus knows, hey, I'm not ready to be put to death yet. The time will come and the hour will be there and I'll be ready. But for now, I have work to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think also him showing himself as the center of the reconstitution, reestablishment, reintegration of Israel. He's not even the center of it. At, at he a lot of points, he it. just is it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. fail, fine, I'll do it. Yeah, he, he embodies it, which is what the kings of the Old Testament would often do. They would often embody their people. People. Which is what we were talking about with you as a pastor. Part of your job as a pastor is to take on the weight of your parishioners, of the people who are your your. Uh, Which I'm doing a flock. pretty. I'm doing it pretty good <laughs> right here on my belly. Little belly right there, hanging over That's his laptop. The weight of weight of my people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, uh, may this podcast assist you in not being blind mm. and knowing and hearing um, what the Lord is doing um, in. In ancient Israel, in Isaiah, in the book of James, in the book of Mark. We yeah. don't call it the book. We call it the gospel. The epistle. Oh, yeah, the gospel. No, <laughs> the, the epistle. So, you guys, that's the best. That, what are you going to say? You're going to finish it out? You're nope, going to draw it back uh, No, I was going to say, don't forget to get us to 1,000 likes on Facebook and tell us what you want us to do if we get to 1,000. Crowdsource, everyone. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We will see you next week. Hi, Mom. Hi, Marie. Bye. Bye. (laughs)